Well, it's good good to be together this morning. And uh, we are finishing up a series entitled Life with God in Times of Uncertainty. And uh, these, uh, we can all say with a hearty amen, are definitely times of uncertainty. And a lot been going on. In church, we're not even halfway through 2020. And things have been really crazy. And uh, there's a lot crazy yet to go in 2020. We still have a November election. But uh, regardless of what's happening, you know what, God is in control. And I hope that this series has encouraged you. A few weeks ago, we looked at the issue of faith. And uh, God wants us to have faith in these times of uncertainty. And uh, when we know the heart of God, when we know his nature, and when we know the things that he has done in the past, remember those things, church that gives us great, great faith. And then Dr. Mitchell looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 12 a couple weeks ago, and we uh, talked about how we as God's people need to be faithful in these times of uncertainty and have um, a heart of endurance. And uh, where we get this endurance from is through the Word of God and the fact that uh, there have been saints that have gone before us and they are part of that great cloud of witnesses, and they have been, they were faithful in times of difficulty, and their testimony, their lives of faithfulness, encourage us, challenge us to remain faithful ourselves. And then last week, uh, Jeff uh, spoke on Philippians chapter 4, and the fact that uh, in these times of uncertainty, we need to be people of peace. And we get our peace, church, through prayer. We, uh, and, and in that season of prayer and thankfulness and remember all that Christ has done for us, he gives us that peace. And so this morning we're going to be looking at hope. And uh, this, this word hope that we're going to be looking at this morning is uh, found in... In uh, Romans chapter 15, and uh, we're going to be talking about hope, how to have hope, uh, but particularly in the midst of conflicts. And we are in conflict this morning, aren't we, church? Uh, there is a lot of conflict among us. And, uh, and so I'm going to touch on two things this morning. I'm going to touch on hope, and I'm going to talk about the midst of conflict uh that we are in the middle of and how we are to uh, be people of God in the midst of conflict. But uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Romans chapter 15, and I want us to look first at verse 13 this morning. Romans 15:13, and Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, we worship, we serve the God of hope. Let's pause on that a moment. He is the God of hope, and he wants to fill you and I with his hope. He wants that hope in us to be overflowing 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how, how do we have of a sustaining hope during these times of uncertainty? Paul's going to answer that question for us this morning. And in answering that question, the context of Romans chapter 15 is Romans chapter 14. Because in Romans chapter 14, there is, there is conflict in the church. The church is comprised of Jews and Gentiles. And when it comes to the matter of eating meat, Gentiles didn't have a problem with eating meat. God told Peter it was good, and even though it may have been sacrificed to idols, they didn't know if it was or not, uh, they were permitted, they were at liberty. They had the freedom to eat meat. But for the Jews, they had a problem with that meat. They were, they were vegetarians, and they thought it was disgraceful that, that that was something that Gentiles should be refrained from eating, particularly if it had been sacrificed to idols. And so there is great division. There is great conflict that is tearing this church apart. And Paul says this in Romans uh, chapter 14. He says this in Romans chapter 14. Verse 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace for mutual upbuilding. Instead of focusing on your personal preferences, Paul is saying, you need to focus on what will make peace. Pursue what makes peace for mutual upbuilding. And then verse 1 of chapter 15, and and we're going to be camping out in verses 1 through 4 this morning, but he says this in verse 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. Church, when it comes to conflict in the church, when it comes to conflict anywhere, we need to be like Christ. When it comes to conflict, the answer to that conflict is the gospel. We need to be looking at what Jesus did in the midst of conflict. What did Jesus do when he was hurt? What did Jesus do when he was offended? We're living in a world today that, that where people are taking great offense with injustice around them. And instead of relying on the court systems and justice being served and, or, or even protesting peacefully, 
People want to take matters into their own hands. They want to seek revenge themselves. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, and then he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 32, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Church, justice is going to be served one day. Now, does that mean that we're just to tolerate and put up with the injustice around us? You know, I think, you know, that there are, there's, we need to speak up for those who are being treated unjustly. We need to be a voice for the marginalized. And we're well aware of what uh, is before uh, the media is pushing before us today in Black Lives Matters. And uh, church, I am not all for Black Lives Matter. I think Black Lives Matter, I think there's a portion of Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter, that means to do good. And they're standing up for the injustice of their black brothers and sisters. But I believe that there's an extreme uh, far left in Black Lives Matters who has hijacked this movement and has made it something that the good people never intended for, for it to become. Not all police officers are bad. There are a few bad apples that are making it bad for all police officers, and that is absolutely wrong. And whatever, wherever the bad apples are, they need to be held accountable, and they need to be eradicated. But church, there's not just bad apples in the police department and the police force. There's bad apples in the clergy. You know, there's there's bad apples in the, in business. There's there's bad apples everywhere. You know what the Bible calls this? Sin. I've got news for you. The Bible says we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And so the answer is not seeking revenge. The answer is not violence and destroying thing. The answer is the gospel. The answer is Jesus Christ. I like what uh, Martin Luther King said. He said this, returning violence from violence multiplies violence. Adding a deep darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only love can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so when it comes to hurt, when it comes to events, uh, 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 offense and injustice, Paul says it's all about the gospel. Love must rule all relationships. So what does that mean? 
You know, there are some very angry people in the black community. And if you don't support them in their cause, you're labeled a racist. And we have a great divide right now. There is a great chasm that separates us over this racial injustice. And what are we to do as Christians? Verse 19 of chapter 14. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We need to get together with our black brothers and sisters who are struggling, who are hurting right now. And we need to be willing to listen to their stories and care for where they are at and help be their voice in a positive way. But church, we need to be there for our police officers right now as a church. I mean, they are they are being attacked. They are the bad guys. And for most, 99% of them, they have good hearts. They want to serve our community. They want to protect us as citizens. And we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for their families because they kiss their their families goodbye each and every day, hoping that they're going to get back, come back home and give them a hug. And that happens every single day that they go to work for us. So I just want to put this out, out here, church. We need to love on our police officers. And if there's, we, we got a great big kitchen back there. And in that kitchen, we can make a lot of cookies. And I think it would be a wonderful idea if we just took our police department a gift of cookies one day this week to let them know that we love them and that we support them and we want to be there for them. But the answer to this division, this conflict, is the gospel. It's what Christ did for us Church, we need to get back to the Bible. We have drifted so far as a society, as a culture, from God's Word. I mean, we're we're rebelling against it now. We're not just ignoring it, but we have absolutely rebelled against it. We believe that we can do it better than God. I like what Al Mohler said this week. He said, when you deny the creation order as God has given it to us, for our good and our in his glory, you get chaos in return. Church, we are seeing chaos all around us. And we need to do it God's way, the gospel way, because that's what Jesus did. Now, This is how Paul is addressing this conflict. We need to be looking to Christ. And then he quotes in verse 3 of chapter 15. Let me just reread verses 1 and 2. We who are strong 
have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. So we need to be thinking others more than ourselves. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ lived selflessly. And all the hatred witnessed, that is even including the the hateful things that I have said to others or the hateful things that have been said to me or the hateful things that I've thought about other people or others have thought of me. The Bible says all these things were laid on Christ. Like Jeff said last week, he took our list of sins that we've offended others with or others have offended us with. He's laid all those, he's laid all those sins on this list and they've been nailed to the cross. And Jesus died for all those sins. This is the answer to our conflict. The Black Lives Movement mantra is this. No justice, no peace. The mantra needs to be, no Jesus, no peace. Ignoring Jesus in no, no, no Jesus, get Jesus out of here, there's never going to be any peace. No K-N-O-W, no Jesus, you're going to know peace. Church, it is all about the gospel. We were once enemies of God. And it was only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ when we understood that he took the punishment for my sin. All the justice of God was poured out on Jesus for my sin. And I believe that he was my substitute. And he paid the price that was owed to me that I can experience, I can know the peace of God. I can be a friend of God. This is what Romans is all about. In God's eyes, I am completely justified, not because of the things that I've done good. No. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And he's, God sees me as if I am sinless because I am covered. I am drenched. I am marinated in the blood of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You know, the, the best image that I can give you, other than the cross, is the example that we saw two weeks ago when Derek Chauvin was grinding the full weight of his knee on the neck of George Lloyd. 
for nearly nine minutes. And how, how casual he looked, that officer looked, as he kept grinding his knee into George Lloyd's necks. And it was reflection of that officer's sinful heart. But you know what, church? That's what my sin, as ugly as that image was, that we've seen over and over again, that illustrates my sinfulness, my sinful heart. Your sinful heart before a holy God. That's how ugly our sin is. I didn't deserve God's grace. Didn't deserve God's mercy. Deserved God's wrath. Praise God because of His great grace in my life. He forgave me of all of my sin. And many of us here in this room have that same testimony. And if our heart can just be captured, captivated by the grace and mercy of God in our life, when we're offended, when we're treated unjustly, when we're hurt, We can begin to we can we can put ourselves in their shoes. Why are they why are they acting this way? Where are they hurting? Where are they coming from? And instead of defending ourselves and getting angry and lashing out. choose to listen as hard as that is we apply the gospel we choose to do what God did for us verse 3 again chapter 15 for Christ did not please himself But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Jesus took all that pain and suffering and conflict and ugliness upon himself. Our only only answer to racial reconciliation is going to be the gospel. That's the answer. So Paul addresses this. Now let's get to the hope part. <laughs> Pastor, where do we find hope in all this conflict? In all in this time of uncertainty? Well, it's in verse four. Okay? 
It's a sustaining hope that God can give us. The Bible says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now, I need to go back to verse 3. Because when Paul was using Jesus as the example that he's the answer to all this conflict. Paul quotes from Psalm chapter 69, verse 9, when he says, The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Those were David's words. Okay, And this is a messianic prophecy. And Paul is using the Old Testament to exemplify what Jesus did did for us on the cross. Why didn't Paul use a different example of Jesus uh, living selflessly? Why didn't he use the example of uh, washing his disciples' feet, maybe Judas' feet, who, who had betrayed Jesus? He went to an Old Testament verse. And then he goes, then he writes in verse 4. For whatever was written in former days were written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. We can find encouragement, church, from God, the God of hope, through the Old Testament. Through every word of the Old Testament. All of it. Church, there's some difficult words in the Old Testament. You know, and there's a world that wants to say, well, if your God is a God of love, why did he do these certain things in the Old Testament? And I just want to encourage us this morning, church. These are uncertain days. These are crazy days. And there is a, a lot of darkness around us. But God wants to encourage us this morning that no matter what the darkness is, God is behind every word of it. God is working mysteriously and for His own purposes. And in the end, He's going to get the glory. And so so as people of God, instead of living in fear, in being anxious, and what wondering, you know, God, where are you? 
God is in it all. And we need to go back and we, we, we need to remind ourselves of some hard passages in the Old Testament. We need to go back and we need to reread the, word, the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God rained down fire and he's destroyed cities. He destroyed people. And we need to remind ourselves that he is holy and he is worthy of our worship. And all that God did to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, God had a purpose in all of it. And the people of God, they needed to trust him. Exodus chapter 13. Turn, go turn your Bible, Exodus chapter 13. The last plague before the children of Israel were delivered out of the land of Egypt. Exodus chapter 13, verse 15. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. God did that. God was making, he was following through with his word. God was making known his his power and his authority over all things. God was behind that. God was working mysteriously for his own purposes. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 39 says, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. God puts to death and he brings about life. He heals and he wounds. He is God. And I know you're thinking to yourself, how can God do that? Well, church, he's the potter. And we're the clay. And I've never seen a lump of clay tell the potter what he needs to do. It's all according to his sovereign will. And he is working mysteriously, and we can't understand it this side of heaven. But God has a plan. Amos chapter 4, verse 10. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. 
I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. There are places in the Bible where God destroyed over 100,000 people at a time. Church, these are difficult words. And I think the reason why Paul is quoting Psalm chapter 69, verse 9, is because he wants us to believe everything of what the Old Testament says. Go back to Romans chapter 15, verse 4 again. Let me read that one more time. For whatever was written in former days, for whatever was written in former days, church, we need to be pay attention to all of it. All of it is for our encouragement. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so, church, I want to I leave you with hope this morning. You know, the, the scary news that we are living in today is no different than it has been throughout all of history. Pandemics, rioting, injustice, murder, earthquakes, hurricanes, wars, whatever it, whatever it might be, we serve and we worship a sovereign God. And though we can't see his hand, we can trust his heart. He's got a plan through it all. And we have got to believe the scriptures and understand the power of God and allow God's sovereignty to be the foundation of all the uncertainty that is going on around us. We don't have to fear. We don't have to panic. Jesus wants us to pray and trust the Father's heart. Verse 4 again, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So I want to encourage you this morning, church. I want to encourage you this morning at home, church. Be people of hope. He is both God of the Old Testament and the New. And He is the God of Revelation. You think it's bad today? (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. And yet God is fully in control. Do you?
you know him? No Jesus? No peace. No Jesus? No peace. He wants to give you peace today. But it only comes through the gospel. He can forgive you of all your sin. As wicked as your heart might be, God's grace is greater. Let's pray. Father, thank you for hope that is only found in you and your word. God, help us. Help us to be peacemakers. Help us to see people who hurt, who are angry. And instead of trying to pour gasoline on on the situation, the, the source of conflict, God, help us to bring a bucket of water. Help us to bring the good news of the gospel. And Jesus, all that you have done for us, we've experienced your grace, your forgiveness. You've delivered us. And you can give others who have cold, dark hearts right now, who are are enemies of you who are in absolute rebellion God you could change their hearts but it's only by the gospel God help us to be instruments voices of your grace and your mercy that none of us deserved. God, heal our land. Through the gospel, I pray for churches, God, that we would not get caught up in politics, in social justice issues, In neglect, the only answer, that's the gospel. Help us, God, as pastors and leaders of churches and seminaries to be true to your word. And I get sidetracked. Help us to be peacemakers too, Lord. Help us to love on those who are on the front lines right now and lives that are at risk every single day. God, as they, as, as the men and women in blue serve and protect us. God, 
protect them. Be with their families. God, be with those families, officers that have lost their lives through all this violence. God, be their peace. Make yourself very real in their time of grief. And God, be with the black community and particularly those who have faced injustice and are hurting and are crying out, God. God, you hear those cries where things need to change. God, may change occur. May there be greater accountability that what is wrong can be eradicated. But God, we know ultimately our only answer is Jesus and what he's done for each of us. Help us, God, to be faithful be people of faith who aren't anxious but are filled with peace because we're people of prayer and because we're people of the book know that God that you are in control of all things may we leave here with hearts full of hope, overflowing. And may your word sustain us, particularly through times of uncertainty. We love you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.